Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah wassalatu wassalamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa mawala wa ba'd. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. As if I didn't greet you before this, but khair. Um, today inshallah is a follow-up. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. As if we didn't greet you back also before this. Yeah, yeah, shukran. Um, so last time we, we, we came together, we were discussing preparing for Ramadan. It's already Sha'aban, subhanallah. We're moving very quickly towards the Lalatul Nisf min Sha'aban and then a blink, hop, skip and a jump after that and we are in the month of Ramadan. And now um, we, we we focused a lot on the Quran and I think it's a very important topic to focus on because I think when in, whenever anybody thinks about Ramadan, you know, as we said before, you think about Quran and this is a good thought to have. I think, however, that a lot of people would, would do well with some guidance as to uh, how you know, just how, man? Because yes, we can batcha and we can batcha more and so on. But for the, for you know, for the examples that Mala Zakaria spoke about the last time, like you just open up the Quran and just do something, do anything. So I wanted to speak about how the Quran actually changes a person. Because what I find is often when, when we speak here as a group and others from among our peers and so on, and we speak about uh, transformations in our own lives, it, it's usually linked to the Quran. And it's very difficult to convey that to another person because they've also heard the Quran before. They've also uh, heard lectures on the Quran. They've also uh, read Quran, etc. But they don't quite fully understand how it is that the Quran made Mullah Zakaria from that young guy with a rose in his mouth, no beard. <laughs> You know, okay, uh, isn't it? With a girl's <laughs> with a girl story there that uh, we, we we didn't cut out, <laughs> isn't it? You better hope my wife doesn't listen to this stuff. <laughs> from from that no to look at his beard now. I mean, how long is your beard now? Yes, <laughs> the shortest been in a long time. <laughs> and and I mean uh, that's just a superficial change, but we know that as a person you've changed. I mean, I've changed. I'm not saying I'm I'm a good person right now. But oh, I'm not must the I same tell person. you about the Irshad? That just, was just the, let us just carry on with it. That was this the Cupid in Valentine's Day. Excuse <laughs> 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 Oh, Mr. Cupid. This is now what you call tit for tat, no? Okay. Um, so, so the point is like, how did the Quran change you, man? And and that I believe there's a, there's a recipe, there's a recipe that that people go through. They don't necessarily realize that there's a recipe, but there's a specific recipe and I'm going to tell you what I believe it is and you guys can basically just comment on, on that and you take it from me. So I believe the recipe is uh, to submerge yourself into the world of the Quran and remove yourself from your regular world for a sustained period of time with people who have been through this experience before and can relate the Quran to you in a way that makes sense to your context. And that, I believe, is the, the the ultimate change. It could perhaps be a few things added here and there. I'd, I'd add one thing, just, you know, mm -hmm. right at the very beginning. For me, it, it seems like a very simple thing, and it might sound like yeah, very yeah. cliche, but I honestly believe just the sincere intention at the beginning yeah, of, 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 of being true in in your quest, true to yourself and true to Allah in your quest. I mean, like, just simplified or, or just signified by... You know, a thought, oh Allah guide me. Uh, uh. But I'm going to pull a Mullah Zakaria on you there and tell you I, I, I disagree with you <laughs> on the point that you said in the beginning. Because many, myself included, <laughs> when starting out, I had a crutching intention. 
when I started out. I tell you straight, my intention was, I'm going to take a gap year from school because the near of my parents, not my near, the near yes, of my parents was to go and hajj. And then they introduced that whole quota system and I didn't make the cut. I didn't make the cut. Um, I was, I think, 18 and the quota started at like, you, need to, you needed to be 20. So the point being, I skipped the year because I didn't want to miss out on university work. And then I thought, let me go learn how to speak Arabic because if I speak Arabic, then I can just have a lick of time in Makkah and I can negotiate with the Arabs. It's a teenager mindset. I mean, you know, you can kill me later if you <laughs> think it's ridiculous. But that's what I started out with. And if I think back, uh, I'm not saying I'm like him, right? But Imam Ghazali, Rahimahullah and his brother, they were sent to the madrasa because they, they were poor and they needed to be accommodated and they needed to have food and so on, you know, sustenance. And that was the reason for starting. He said, طَلَبْنَا الْعِلْمَ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ فَأَبَلْ عِلْمُ إِلَّا أَنْ يَكُونَ لِلَّهِ أَنْ يَكُونَ إِلَّا لِلَّهِ no. Uh, you know, we sought knowledge for other than Allah, but the knowledge refused to be except for Allah. Anyway, so that's the, the context of the conversation. But I think, Mona, I, I, I think the point that you're making is it doesn't necessarily have to be the right, it doesn't have to be the most perfect intention right from the beginning. Yeah. But I'm sure in your journey at some point, even if it's one dars when you're sitting in your class, no, that you had that moment. Eventually, yeah. eventually, yes. But yeah. I just the only thing that mm. I wanted to change was at the beginning, man. Mm. Okay. So even if you don't find yourself having this sincere yearning and stuff, mm. it doesn't mean that that the doors can't be open for you. No, definitely. And and I'm gonna use a very contemporary, maybe not that very contemporary, but the Matrix example, man. Right? Um, yeah, Nia these, didn't even know. Two thousand babies don't even know what the matrix. Yeah, is. yeah. I was yeah. not gonna say. Maybe must explain that to them. Neo, okay. Nah, I can't. How do you nah, explain, the explain the matrix? That's gonna take. That's an entire episode. <laughs> if we could explain the matrix, and what's so quiet about the matrix? Exactly. <laughs> but look at Neo. Didn't even know about the blue pill and the red pill, and he didn't even know about the matrix. All he knew was he wanted something better, something else, and he was exploding, mm. and he was looking, and he was finding. You know, yeah. until Morpheus found him and told him, "Yeah, here's the pill. If you want to take the mm. pill, take the pill." And don't go take polls, people. This is a very specific <laughs> context. This is a very specific movie that, uh, you know, kind of became like an iconic metaphor. But that's that. I, I think before we go any further, can I ask that we just take some time out to engage and, and listen and experience the kalam of Allah? Michael, I was going to wait till you're done, but then I realized the point I was going to say is that exactly that, man. I was going to say, I believe the recipe to be something different, man. I believe it just simply to be one step, man. Just give the Quran a chance and listen. And the reason I say that is, uh, and that's why I stopped you now so we can listen to him after this, inshallah. The reason I say that is because Umar uh, you know, when he, he, when he accepted Islam and his introduction to, or his moment of guidance was, I mean, he was there, he heard about his family accepting Islam, he came in and he was going <laughs> to, you know, beat up his, his brother-in-law, if I'm not, that was brother-in-law, no? sister and his brother-in-law. His sister oh. and his brother-in-law. And then they just told him, just, just like, you know, and then, he, he gave that moment to actually listen. He actually forced them to read it for him. Mm, yeah. Mm. I want to hear what is this? What is causing mm. this whole thing? And he, and he, and he gave it a listen. Musab ibn Umayr, when he was in Matina, and they came and drew an arrow in his face and said, stop what you're doing. He said, okay, I'll tell you what, just listen. If you don't like what I have, I leave. And then, but just listen. Mm. And they gave a moment to listen. The leader of the tribe listened. And then him and everybody else accepted. No. So I think just, but I, listen. you know, the, for me, the salient point in all of those stories that you mentioned is that the person that was listening was being true with himself. 100%. Mm. That was Umar. No. When he saw something right, he wasn't going to leave it. 
Um, and, yeah, so let's listen and be true to us also, inshallah. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم يوم نحشر المتقين إلى الرحمن وفدا ونسوق المجرمين إلى جهنم وردا لا يملكون الشفاعة إلا من اتخذ عند الرحمن عهدا وقالوا اتخذ الرحمن ولدا لقد جئتم شيئا إدا تكاد السماوات يتفطرن منه وتنشق الأرض وتخر الجبال هدا أن دعوا للرحمن ولدا وما ينبغي للرحمن أن يتخذ ولدا إن كل من في السماوات والأرض إلا آتي الرحمن عبدا لقد أحصاهم وعدهم عدا وكلهم آتيه يوم القيامة فردا إن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات سيجعل لهم الرحمن ودا فإنما يسرناه بلسانك لتبشر به المتقين فإنما يسرناه بلسانك لتبشر به المتقين وتنذر به قوما لدا وكم أهلكنا قبلهم من قرن هل تحس منهم من أحد أو تسمع لهم ركزا صدق الله العظيم ما شاء الله تقبل الله منكم سبحان الله I'm just thinking now towards the end of this recitation that I can I can say with some confidence that all four of us are sitting here listening to Mullah Salim of course he's listening to himself so he's included in the four and um, it's not just like f- for most of the people who are going to be listening to this, what they heard and what we just heard is two different things. And I say Alhamdulillah for that. And that's not because we're sitting all four over here together. Mona Ishad is of course referring to the idea of some Arabic understanding and yes, some understanding yes. of the words and pondering on the meaning as it is being recited. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So, yeah. so what I'm referring to is exactly that, man. It's like that wasn't just a beautiful recitation. It wasn't just beautiful sounds with beautiful tajweed. It was a moving message from God, man. We just heard God speak now. And it's a reminder of, you know, it's a reminder of our worldview. It's a reminder of why we live. It's a reminder of all of those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I'm probably going to have to add the translation in on the screen or something like that. But the, the point being, that is what transformed us, man. Not five, I'm, 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 maybe two minutes of recitation, okay? Not two minutes of recitation. Uh, I believe what transformed us was that sustained period of spending time with the Quran, getting away from your usual environment and engaging 
with that story, with that narrative, with the speech of God, um, from teachers who, you know, could be examples and could relate the message to our context, and this on a daily basis, it was a it was a transformative experience for me, and um, I believe it will be for anyone. Uh, the Arabs in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu who didn't want to, to, to listen to the message. The Quran speaks about this. They used to put their fingers in their ears because that's how powerful it was to them when they understood. And I don't know how to, to tell people this, man. But like, you know, for me, it's obvious that if you can't do it full time and if you can't do it for the whole year and whatever, then you're not going to get the full thing, which I think is incorrect. I just don't know how, how else people can get it. But what I can say with confidence is that everyone should get it, man. Mm. Everyone should get some form of it or the other. Molina, um, you know, you you mentioned now the idea that if people can't do it full time and then you don't know, you know, how, how they'd get it. My experience um, in teaching a part-time class, um, and I know we're not here to promote specific classes or anything like that. Uh, so I didn't even mention the name of the school. My experience in teaching a part-time class once a week um, for three hours uh, per session is that there's actually a different but still very profound impact that it has on people's lives right. when they come seeking uh, understanding of the Qur'an sincerely. Mm. And that difference is that the development that those people go through, it's spread over time and it's mm. happening whilst they're living. Mm. And, so, and, and so what happens is they hear some ayat of the Qur'an, they learn a lesson from the Qur'an, and then they're still living their normal lives. Right. And so, you know, in, 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 in a zeal to implement that lesson, they shape their life at that moment around that lesson. Right. And sometimes the impact, the long-term impact of it is actually more profound than when you remove yourself from a normal living routine. Um, you plug out completely mm. and then you have to plug in again. Mm. Um, just in terms of my experience, I, I think that I have seen a different but equally profound, mm, if not mm, more profound, mm. uh, uh, impact that it has on people that engage in learning the Quran whilst engaging their normal lives. Mm. Um, yeah, no, there are definitely alternatives. Subhanallah, I also teach part time and I have taught part time before. Um, but yeah, that transformation. Well, um, how did it happen um, for you? I mean, your exposure yeah. to the Quran was from. Bismillah. Be before we get there, just uh, one of the things. I mean, how does Quran change? Your, uh, just some stuff that I was thinking about. Um, the first, the first one that I'm sure probably almost everyone will identify is the someone draw a picture. No? It's a Friday. You had a liquor week, a whole week at work, but Thursday afternoon, it just goes haywire, and Friday morning it's even more haywire, or whatever. Either it's a work thing or personal thing or whatever the case may be, and uh, uh, you end up going on Friday Juma to the masjid that you don't normally go to, <laughs> just for some reason you found yourself on the road over that side. All right, I'm gonna shoot in here over Juma. And you came there, and that Maulana Sheikh Imam, at that masjid that you're not normally at, he was speaking to you on that Jumu'ah. I don't know if anybody's experienced this before, but I mean, you know, that day that you just needed that nasiha, man. You come somewhere, wherever, even as a normal mosque. But then it's like you leave the masjid having full clarity and knowing full well what it is that you must do. Mm. And you leave feeling like, yo, this Imam just spoke to me now, man. Mm. Of everybody, he, nah, he just spoke to me. So subhanAllah, the idea of what my experience is and, and has been like with Qur'an, uh, um, like you say, it's, it doesn't immediately transform you, 
it's perhaps a transformative experience. Just like Hajj is a transformative experience. It doesn't mm. change you. You must still make the effort to change. But I mean, after having a little bit of understanding, Alhamdulillah, and now opening the Quran, it's like every single time I open the Quran, Allah is telling me something, man. Hey, you better watch out here. No? Uh, you know what I mean? Mm. So it's not always like every single time it's going to bring change into your life, but you you are more aware, man. It's like you're more aware and you're more aware maybe if you're going to do a good, Alhamdulillah, you're more aware of the gravity of that good. Yeah, and yeah. if you're going to do a bad, you're probably still going to do the bad, but you're more conscious and you're more, Yo, it's what gonna did I just do now? It's going to make you feel wor- you feel more, worse. more yeah, worse yeah. because you're now sitting with this knowledge that you mm. now have, man. So that coupled to the fact that, uh, We use the statement that Iman goes up and down, but Allah doesn't mention in the Quran about Iman going down really Allah just speaks Or this ayah Says uh, The verses are recited And the Iman go up You know With no thinking of Iman is going to go down man. So first thing Connection to Quran And reading Quran Understanding No understanding uh, Iman is going to go up Inshallah mm. And then with all those Other extra avenues And the avenue of action And transformation Actively from our side It all gives like This great concoction To, to produce better Iman that and that was actually that was actually mm. my first encounter mm. of of yay this is not a normal book yeah that was weird mm. because remember for me at that time it was like all about the Arabic and the Nahu yeah. and it was like you know yes. like a academic exercise man and then we started and it was mm. hold on mm. but how is ah. it possible that this book yeah. is talking to me yeah about my life in twenty I don't know twenty seventeen when did I study ah. two thousand and seven I can't remember but um. It was it was weird, man. Mm. And you're thinking like, okay, it's just a coincidence. And then the next day it happens again. And and and, and like for, for you now, for me as well, man, Alhamdulillah, I came to Dar Naim um some years ago. <laughs> we just leave it there. And then uh, it was like, Yo, is this what is in the Quran? That you've been memorizing. Salim, <laughs> you were butchering Quran now for the last five, six, seven, eight, ten years of your life. And you were so full of with this thing that the Quran is telling you to stay away from. And you didn't even know. Not that the fact that you, you know, not that you ignored it, man. But you just really didn't know. Yeah. And and Alhamdulillah, shukr to Allah that He kept you connected. He kept me connected that I was still able to recite, man. And I continued reciting yeah. even though I didn't know what was going on. And then Alhamdulillah, once again, that Allah brought me to the point here where, you know, okay, it's not now understand, just bachaling anymore. Is now bacha with a bitchy understanding, man. Yeah. Uh, to tie it into your initial point of sincerity, nobody probably ever has sincerity at the outset, at the beginning of doing something. We don't learn how to do stuff with in a sincere way, man. Yeah, it's yeah. always like, okay, I'm pleasing my parents now, I'm pleasing my teachers then, I'm pleasing the wife then, and so forth and so on and so on and so on. Right? It takes a constant practice with that particular thing that you are busy with uh. to develop Sincerity over time, man. Yeah, you know, so it's a, it's a constant challenge for all of us. Tell me, look here. I found something <coughs> huh, that that is also like strange, man. Like uh, I don't know, I don't know if it's if it if it's the same with you guys, but there were certain things that I already knew about, but then you come to discover that same thing in the Quran, mm-hmm. and that's the moment of change. Like I tell people, like everyone knows, all Muslims know that riba is haram. You know, it's a big no-no. But it's only when you when you learn it from the Quran that you really take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, yo, I'm never going to engage in the riba again, ever, 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 ever. 
or like the lowering of the gaze, man. Like, you know, every Muslim you've heard, you must lower your gaze, lower your gaze. But you only take it seriously, man. When Allah says it to you, in the way He says it to you, in the style He says it to you, in the moment He says it to you, then you're like, yeah. okay. And then from that day onwards, you at least try. You know what I mean? So I don't know it was if, if you found that personal type of experience with yourself as well. I'm not, I'm not too I think sure. in the mind, just from like a, from like a, like a psychological aspect, man, it's almost like validation of the information. Like, you know, when somebody comes and they, they, they tell you the same thing your mom has been telling you all the time. Mm. But it's like somebody, like they call it the, the concepts, like the out of town guy with a briefcase. Somebody comes there, look more fancy, like, who's this guy? And he tells you the same thing. And you come home and you're like, oh, this is profounding. And your parents are like, yeah, but I've been telling you that all the time. Mm. So yeah. it's like almost like a validation of information that you were like, okay, I know about this thing. But now it's like, boom. I just yeah. heard now, I read this verse that told me about this thing. I kind of knew of, but like, hey, you know, yeah. and immediately like pushes for action. Man. Right, right, right. Okay, so I, I, I mentioned the beginning of, of my journey, right? So it was like, um, just everyday regular academic. Now it was very like mathematical, man. I mean, we all went to the same school. We know how it's done. And then you start off with the Quran and then it's slowly like, it's this, Almost like an out-of-body experience that you get every so now and then, and then it increases and increases and you, you take it more and more seriously. And then eventually, you find yourself changing without the intention of changing. This was me. And I remember one vivid memory is my music collection, my CDs, and my backtracks. <laughs> Slowly, I started throwing that away one by one. Like, okay, no, this is not, no, this is not right. Then. But not all together. Mm. So that's just like a gradual Which thing over time. Which did you keep to for last? <laughs> Rosa. Oh. <laughs> you still remember it? Wait, man. <laughs> I was not just going to say, but I thought, okay, I want to bring it up. I was like, yeah, I think around that time, you were still saying it while my cousin's weddings or something. Yeah, very possibly, very possibly. <laughs> anyway, so, so the point is like that, that, until eventually you don't recognize yourself anymore. Like, you don't see that same person that you were anymore. But nobody forced you to do it. And you didn't like wake up one night and decide, oh, I'm going to be this person, I'm going to be that person. You don't even think of yourself necessarily as bias or anything, but you just can't be the same. And I can't, for the life of me, I can never think of a better metaphor than the Morpheus Neo <laughs> Matrix taking the Red Bull and waking up from the Matrix. Being unplugged, man. That's what it felt like for me. It was like being unplugged. And then like I, I could see the world in a different way. And that just became cemented and crystallized as more and more ayat came my way. Um, so that was that was basically uh, my journey. Uh, what what is your journey like? Subhanallah. I actually, to be honest with you, I can't remember like a single point in the journey holistically. I, mean, I, I, I mentioned in the last podcast like one or two instances in which uh, you know the relationship with the Quran was impacted profoundly. But throughout my life, like I think maybe much like Salim. Mm. Um, there was engagement with uh, Quran. There was engagement with, uh, you know, going to high school, reciting, being at madrasa. I think I was in madrasa like my whole life. Remember, like really not so. So one of the points that I always connect to the students with is exactly that, man. Because we find students coming that's like 40, 50, 60 and have like very, very limited Quranic involvement, man. I can't ever remember a time in my whole life that Alhamdulillah, I wasn't taken towards or trained or exposed to Quran and recitation. It yeah. was always, you know, pumped and, and being put there. So, you know, that is indeed a, a gift from Allah. Um, and many people don't have that. Yeah. Many people don't have that. But what I, what, like, what I was going to say is there are like 
instances in my life or periods in my life that I can, uh, you know, highlight as I think slight upgrades in that taking religion more seriously or taking your relationship with Allah more seriously. So I was always going to madrasa. But, you know, it's like normal. I go read to the sheikh. I find ways to read the same lesson 10 days in a row. Maybe, uh, you know, you know, you figure chapo, out all these tricks the and stuff like that. The notebook. Uh, yeah, all of those things. But uh, I think one of the most important things for me was salah. Like, there came a time where I thought, no, man, I have to take the salah seriously. And even if it started out as like um, just making sure that I don't go sleep without having made the day's salah. I know it's not, it's not a concept that's valid. Like you make all your salahs at night or anything like Travi. that. Yeah, uh, that's not a thing, right? You have to make them all on their times. But I think that was one, one stage in my life where I thought, no, no, no. It's a salah thing I have to take it seriously. Um, and it might have started off with just making sure that if I missed any in the day that I made it up at night um, and then it came to a point we know I have to make it every single one of them in their work even if it's just the fard um, and then obviously it, this was you before you started studying yeah this is I was still at high school yeah, your parents made a lot of dua for you yeah I know actually to be honest with you if I I always you know when I speak about this I actually can't think of any guiding force other than du- the du'as of my mother. Yeah, and obviously the effort of my father as well, but I think um, the du'a and the constant reminder of my mother somewhat overshadowed that. I mean, my mm. father would take us to high school and sit there and wait for us at times, even if you know you're going to get, you know, you get back, or I don't know what they, I don't know how to explain Detention, it. What's the Detention. Yeah, but she will you're going to stay there until you know your work. Either get back or the park. Yeah, but I mean, even then my dad would sit outside and wait for us. Um, my dad would sit outside and wait for us. Uh, wait for us. So there was a lot of effort in that as well. But I think the the constant guiding force and the fact that we always knew that our mother's making dua for us and stuff like that, and you know, telling us things like, you know what? If you maybe told your mom one day, I tell my mom I made salah, I didn't actually, or I faked the wudu, or something like that, um, she'll tell me, okay, it's fine. You can fool me. <laughs> but Allah knows Yo, And you know what Kill trip <laughs> Yeah no seriously But but you also so used to say sometimes Like you know But Allah's going to let me also know Yes Yo. But they only do that They only do that on the times That you are knowing They don't do that on the times When you're truthful Because they know now yeah. That was my mommy's whole thing Me and my brother couldn't understand I couldn't understand My mommy will look at you differently On a day when you know you caught the nonsense <laughs> yeah. She come in and she look at you And she say come here Now you're really worried then she tell you, I'm telling you, I speak to Allah. Mm. And I put my head on a musla. Same and thing. I tell Allah, guide me when it comes to my children. So I get it, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> same, same thing. Same, exact same thing. I'm telling you, sometimes we'll do that thing, you know, I wet my elbows here. So that, you, know, <laughs> you know, all the, all the You're sensitive You're not supposed places. to give people huh? ideas and stuff <laughs> like that. Don't do this, man. I'm just saying, like all the yeah, sensitive places. That's the journey we're talking about. Yeah, all, all the sensitive places where you know they'll, they'll catch you on. When I put the musalla out, everything. Sometimes I think to myself now in retrospect. Yeah. Sometimes I think to myself in retrospect, I should just have made salah to have taken the same amount of time. But um, you do all that stuff, right? And then sometimes my mom will just come into the room later. You didn't make salah. Yeah. I don't I don't care what you say. Even if you made salah for Allah already. Do it again. Do it again for me. I 
Yeah. And uh, so, so for me, that was also like a, a thing, man. There came a point in my life where I figured to myself, you know what, I was at high school, everybody's talking about girlfriends and all of those things and whatever. And there came a point where I thought to myself, you know what, am I not having a girlfriend just because I'm scared of my mom? Because if that is the case, then I think now I can actually do it without her knowing, man. Like I can do stuff now without her knowing. Because they like gave me a bit more, I had a bit more freedom. And then I thought to myself, you know what? I'm actually not doing, I can't be doing this for my mom. I'm doing this because I know it's right and doing it for the sake of Allah. And, and so for me, the actual thing that, the only guiding thing that I, that I could really think of early on in my life was the constant reminder of my parents that don't do it for me, do it for Allah. Sometimes they would say, it's just do it for me. But that after that, they'll still tell you. Only reason I told you that is because, you know, it's your responsibility towards Allah. Constant, that constant reminder of the parent about that relationship with Allah. We had very different adolescent years, I must say. <laughs> Subhanallah. <laughs> yeah. You, yo. <laughs> yo. I, I can't even say everything that, I, that I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people that will probably be watching this and listening to this and thinking to themselves, yeah, you're fellas. <laughs> but I mean, um, no, no, for me, there was, yes, I had very good parents, alhamdulillah, and they set a good example. And I do believe that the dua is counted for a lot and there was an element of salah and so on and so yeah. forth. Even through the worst of times, there was still an element of salah for me also. But the other stuff that you mentioned is like, yo, nah, that's yeah. uh, another level. But there was a clear distinction between, you know, that, that journey of being just a normal adolescent and then stepping into this other world, man, like of the Quran. I think the, the, the point no, that is, was I think the point is lifestyle. Man. The lifestyle you lived and were maybe thinking you're going to live compared to the lifestyle you're living now and you're actually living, man. You understand? Yeah. And that, that shift, that change is... is, is but, but then I can also say, that I can also say that, you know, if I think about, you know, as I was going through grade 11 matric, my... My mindset was very materialistic. I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, alhamdulillah, I used to get good marks in school and stuff like that. And my, my mindset was, I'm going to go, I'm going to study actuarial science. I'm going to go through it very quickly. I was fairly young for the grade. Um, and I'm going to go work, earn a lot of money, invest, retire young, and live it up like mm. And I can also remember clear times, you know, when, when I had this internal conflict, when I was in matric, um, you know, everybody's looking forward to the matric ball. Mm. And uh, I never had a girlfriend. So sure. I thought to myself, like, what am I going to do? <laughs> and I got myself into a little bit of nonsense over there also because maybe I asked one too many people. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but, um, but oh. then... <laughs> like I say, people. <laughs> 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 no, but, but then that was also one of those defining moments. When mm. My mom, you know, she, they were like, no, you're not going... My brother didn't put up much of a fight. He wasn't bothered with that kind of thing. Um, I was like, nah, 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 I have to go home and, you know, I'm still with you. The cool guy of the school. I wasn't the cool guy of the school, but I was friends with all the cool guys. So so I thought to myself, nah, I have to go. And, you know, I was secretly making plans, whatever. Mm. Um, And my mom initially, she was like, no, 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 no. But I used to out there. And eventually I probably skipped him a cat. I told him, you know what? I'm just going to go with my friends, man. I'm not going to go with a girl or anything like that. Um, But it was also... I think another defining moment in my life where I decided for myself, you know what? I'm not going to go. Um, I could, but I'm not going to. And not because I would necessarily have done anything wrong, 
But I just felt at that moment in time, like, you know, that vibe wasn't the vibe I wanted to be in. And, uh, and, and then after that, obviously, very shortly after that, it's now into Darunaim. And that was like, that was now where the whole worldview changes. So that's now where, where you start engaging with the Quran. And it's not just moments of, of, you know, like making a choice in the moment because you think something is wrong. But that's where the whole worldview changes. So, like I said, I had those, those incidents in life that, that, uh, that are kind of defined in my mind, that, that stand out as salient events in my life on that journey. Mm. But throughout that, I still had the idea of like, I still had the idea of, um, you know, the materialistic outlook on life and stuff like that. But, you know, when it came to the Quran, the whole world changed. Yes, Adam. Okay, again, uh, subhanAllah, very, very uh, different experiences. Salim is writing down all his epiphanies here. Um, and I'm checking no, no, out no. his, his I, 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 Yeah, I'm just thinking, I didn't give, actually give you the, the, the part of the beginning of the story that I wanted to give you. But uh, this, nah, is, this is going to count as like my joke for the day, so I'm not going to tell another joke. No, no, but I didn't but even, here, I, I, to, I must nah, normally I must say, like, Salim, tell us a joke. <coughs> So I um, my drum kit here. So I asked my I asked my dad to get the Abu how did I then how did Abu then send me to go study Khivman? So oh mouth mouth. Now I'm not gonna knock the same again. Can you see? So now you, you also that yeah. Yeah? So okay. now they start laughing and they say, you know what, we went on holiday to Durban. My mommy and my daddy and my sisters and I. And I was probably three or four years old. Um and by the time we came home from Durban there was a, a cassette that was playing in the van. Yes, cassettes. I'm so old. <laughs> but the cassette was playing in the van. And by the time I came home, it was a cassette of District 6. And Anna knew some all the liches from, mm. what's mm. her name? Mm. I don't know why my dad thought that was like such an amazing thing. Because today we put anything on in the car and the kids come home and they know it all. They know all, they all the words. words and after it. But anyway, so my dad thought to himself, yo, if this lady can memorize all this stuff, then he can always memorize the Quran. <laughs> and that's when it started. I mean, I don't, uh, uh, yeah, uh, that's my rewire that I have and I'm sticking Mashallah. to it. Um, and since then, it's always been reared, alhamdulillah, with, with like butchering. I mean, my daddy's been a carpenter his entire life. I remember sitting there in that workshop on in holidays and then my mommy take my sisters out. And then my daddy's working and the machines is on and making a noise in the workshop and he say, now you must butcha. And he wants to now hear me butchering over the machines that is now making a noise over there. And it's all day like that. And I'm now Turkmen because I must now sit and I don't get to go to the beach. But uh, this afternoon, it's a ice cream or it's a something. I know, Keki, my was going to sort me out, man. <laughs> type of a thing. Or we'll go for Fajr. And then after Fajr, we'll go buy breakfast. But Fajr, and then but you listen first until you're blue and you can't anymore and you're hungry now. Right, Bismillah. Now go get mm. yourself a nice breakfast. Or you finish a juice or you whatever you worked hard over here. Okay, here's some some cricket pads and a, and a cricket bat. That was, subhanAllah, my, my daddy with that sort of motivation was always there. And um, the idea of, you know, just bacha and, you know, it will get sorted, inshallah. When I came to Sheikh Muhammad Yusuf Bulli, uh, Allah Ta'ala, grant him nur in his qabr. Amen, amen. Amen. That was sort of his uh, recipe for us as well, man. Whatever happened in your life, you just make sure you bacha two Jews every single day. That was his thing. You bacha every day, you look after the Quran, and Allah Ta'ala will look after you. So, um, with that sort of being a worldview, sort of a, a, a financial planning system, whatever the case may be, yes. Uh, we are chatting a bit about that early on. But um, that has always sort of been my outlook. And Alhamdulillah, 
Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala has, has always given that blessing through the Quran. Um, it's, and, and, and I mean, it, it is to a point like now, uh, I feel so indebted that it's, it's difficult to say no, man. I mean, you must not know how busy you are and you get busy and so on. And anybody that comes, you want to help and assist. But I like know for the life of me, I can't, I can't send the Quran person away from me without giving him some sort of help, some mm. sort of benefit, you know, because that is like the role that Allah had fulfilled here for me with other strong people in my life, man. Taking mm. me to class, making sure you get to play, making sure you get back here, doing all the running around for you so that you can go, just go concentrate on your butchering. Mm. So now I'm on the other side of my life now, on the other side of the bunkie where I see now, I have to do every single thing that I can possibly do for anybody that is there that wants to help and, and go further with their relationship with the Quran. Because, I mean, from my point of view, I see it that uh, that student-teacher relationship man, and that mentor type of a thing, it's superbly mm. important. Uh, and it's something that we as adults still need actively mm. in our lives, whether it's going to be our senior scholars or your mm. uncle Khruachi or the Buddhas that sit at the back there, whatever the case may be. Those Buddhas got crazy wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can learn a lot from them, subhanAllah. And you know what's you know quite about that, that mm. teacher-student journey mentorship mm. thing? Na? Like without even knowing, man, you mm. come to your sheikh to watch, right? And the question you ask if you turn in your work is like, what did you do all week? Mm. And for that at least few moments, you think, yo, what did I do mm. all week? <laughs> no, but you know what? Na? Your parents, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, had the good wisdom and insight to not just let you stop at bacharing. Mm. And I think, I don't know, this is my take on it, but I feel like it's a tragedy that in society across the world today, the first and primary step of the Quran for most people is recitation. And for most people, it stops there. Hmm. When for the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, uh, recitation was obviously the natural first step, but there was already an understanding, and it was the understanding, but, Wallahu a'lam, it was the understanding, but, that transformed them. Hmm. Yes, there's other components, being with Rasulullah, and the barakah, and the nur, and so on, but that inevitably, that journey, hmm. was, 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 was uh, laid out by the Quran. And society today, it works differently, man. Like the first step in education for a child is Alif Ba'atha. Then learn to recite the surah. Then learn to recite the Quran. And then for some to read the, the Quran fluently or read the entire Quran. And that's, that's basically your, your afternoon madrasa stuff. Mm. There's some fiqh in there, maybe some aqidah in there. That's about it. Uh, if, if a parent really wants to excel, you know, my child's going to learn Quran. What do they think about? When, when I started at Darun Naim, the concept was very new and very weird that normal people, non-ulama, could actually understand the Quran as they heard it. It was like, are you serious? Mm. That is achievable. Like, how? How is it possible? And then on top of it, they still said in one year. And you're like, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so for me, it's a tragedy that uh, predominant. Alhamdulillah, it's changing, but predominantly uh, still... Um, people's thoughts about the Quran is recitation. And I'm not gunning recitation. I'm not trying to belittle it. It's there. We already know it. It's been emphasized enough. We don't need to, I don't need to emphasize it more. I can spend my time emphasizing that, look, you need to learn to understand the Quran because it is the guidance factor that changes you. The barakah factor is, is it's a percentage, but I don't think that's the be-all and end-all. And that, I think, is so important for people to really understand. Question or not? Maybe you must, maybe you must actually... Tell that story of Umar Adilan properly. Mm. But wait, you, 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 mentioned, you mentioned Barakah factor and you mentioned guidance factor. 
So, you know, say like percentage-wise, man. Okay, percentage-wise. I say 25%. 25% baraka. This is my my opinion. I thought about it already. I say there's about 25% like baraka. So of the 100% that you could get from Quran recitation, 25% is that magic factor. You know, like when you play Mario Brothers, that's for the... For the 30-somethings You play Mario Brothers And then you, you bump the mushroom And then you take the mushroom And then you, you grow bigger Because now you got a bit of prediction man So when you knock into the enemy now You don't mung You just grow smaller again yeah. Right? Now um, <laughs> My bro couldn't give any better games than Mario <laughs> My bro That is the last games that I really played Okay I play Clash of Clans now okay. But that, that's like completely okay. different So anyway uh, the point is That's the Baraka factor man. Mm. There is magic that happens man, mm. And that magic does Change you mm. You know There's that, that story About the man Who tells, a, tells his son To get the basket uh, It was a coal mm. basket So there is that You know But I think If you just limit yourself To that It's like Always oh, this 25% mm. man. Why do you think We get so many You know Off the Sirat Hufad People mm. have memorized The Quran But You know So they got the Baraka factor And I don't take away From that mm. But then I say another 25% is the, the implementation of doing it because I'm doing it for the sake of Allah, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm doing it to follow the Prophet and I'm doing it as an act of ibadah to bring me closer to Allah. I'm, bringing, I'm doing it to purify my heart. Yeah. It's a different story than to just do it because you've been told to do it or because it's part of your ritual or it's part of your health program or something. You know, you've motivated yourself to that. Mm. Then the 50% I believe, right? Okay. Fifty percent, I believe, is the hidayah that you actually get yeah. from the message of the Quran, yeah. and and I think if you if you deprived of that, I mean, Subhanallah, that's yeah. that's just my take yeah. on that. Actually. We had uh, some of mm. all of our journeys, eh? Ahmed. <laughs> I was hoping somehow we we, we uh, anyway. Yeah, look, my my journey is somewhat different, um, because because I was a case all in all man. Um, was Yeah someone still yeah. <laughs> um, Might come from a team of Ufad, and, and that's the thing man And uh, I don't know I don't know if I've, if I've actually ever told You know the story this particular way uh, Wallah But I'm doing so for the hope of benefiting Somebody that hears it And myself to remind myself So I had a very similar structure to Zakaria I don't know how much pack you got though But I got a fair <laughs> degree of pack with it also so I had the motivation, the dua, and the hiding behind it also. <laughs> no, no, don't worry, I got some of that. <laughs> <laughs> and may Allah SWT preserve my parents. I mean, I mean, I mean. Really, if I go back, and I was going to ask Mullah Salim this question just now while he was talking, man. I was saying, yeah, you know, Abu put you there to read and write, come here and this. If you could choose now, would you change any of it? <laughs> but you're over louder than a grinder and all that stuff at the I'd time. You like, give me more pack and here too. <laughs> yeah, you know, you wouldn't change it for the... For the well, anyway, man, and Mullah Muhammad Ka put it put it perfectly for me one day. He said, you know how you explain it, man, that your parents made the best decision for you at the time and you couldn't make the best decision for yourself. Mm. Like, look here, man, this, you just don't understand, man. Mm. <laughs> just do this, inkla, right? So I had a strong degree of that. Um, and obviously a family that, uh, alhamdulillah, we six kids and I think four of us have completed hifz, one is still busy. And like Mullah Salim said, a family, like a team of Hufad, really. We go with lead the tarawih, the home, your is full already, just as my brothers. So the, the context of the family was, you know, one that should potentially set you up for a life of like, you know, Quran. Man. But I found myself, most of my teenagers wanting to live out of the life. Man. I found myself wanting to 
you know, like when I was a kid, I was talking about all the girls and stuff just now, but I mean, but I didn't have any girls. No. I didn't, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm not even saying you know, when the girls and the craziness and the you know, whatever. So, I found myself in a strong way, like heavily inclining towards that man. Um, and, and, and at times I felt almost like I had to live two lives. Man. I felt at times that, you know, with my parents, I'm speaking, and I speak to Salah and everything, and go to the Taraweeh. And I mean, I still have 11 years old, young, which means predominantly my whole teens, mm. before pre teens, even tweens. And I was like in between becoming a teenager and stuff. I was already involved in the environment of Quran, parents reminding you, Salah, all of those kind of things. But um, but I still found myself like, you know, inclining in a different way, man. So uh, so that battle I had internally, and you know, yes, I made salah, and yes, and this, and and the constant reminders, and and, uh, and then I was I finished my hifd, and then uh, but I always wanted to beat my sister, my older sister Fadwa. So everything she do, I want to do the same and better, right? And then I was just like inspired by how she. So she did a then I did a then She went to understand the Quran and she was going the translation of the Quran and stuff. And I was like, nah, I want to do that, man. And then uh, she was like, no. Um, you know, actually, when I went to do a she told me, she, uh, you guys were still together, most obviously, mm-hmm. when I sell him. She told me, no, you, together you're not ready. Madrasa, no? Yeah. yeah, that was a very, guys, I was going to say. Like, you guys um, were together at uh, You studied together under Sheikh Yusuf. So she was telling me that time. Um, no, you're not ready to learn yet, man. You, yeah. you know, then I woke up and almost like I had to prove to her. I took the Quran and I memorized a few ayahs. I woke up and I said, I come, I can bachelor to you. She actually told me, show me you can memorize these two, two lines and then you can, then I'll tell her, be them to let you go learn and whatever. Then she walked out the room. By the time she was almost in the next room, I came behind and I read the ayah. I was like, yeah, I'm going to show you, I'm going to do this. And then I started my hip like that. And then she came out of Tarun Naeem and she's translating Quran and everything. And it was like, you're quiet. I was like, I'm going to do that also, man. You know, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to go learn. And I came to Darun Naim, and predominantly most of the year, like I sat there and I thought to myself, like, yes, means are crying and stuff here. And like most of the year went by, like three quarters of the year went by. And I still didn't feel like that connection, man. And that's why after you were speaking, the whole time I'm sitting and I'm thinking that immersion in that environment does something over time, man. And then one night, I was at home and sitting in the lounge, and then my other sister, um, who I don't compete with all the time, she, uh, I told her, like, this is actually quiet, man. I told her, like, yo, this is, like, super quiet, man. Like, I can read this and I can actually translate it, man. And by then, like, and, and even then still, I felt that too kind of lifestyle, man. Because at Tarunaim, you know, you're like, whatever, you come home, you're still busy with whatever you're busy with. And the next day I'm there sitting in the machine. And the next day I come home. And so I still felt that, man. So uh, then I'm sitting in the lounge this evening and then I, I called him. Oh, she came to ask me. She's like, you know, you're busy. I was like, yeah, we... Um, having a test tomorrow or something like that. Melissa Hero was giving us a test. And then I told her, but this is actually quiet, man. Come check here, man. Right now, I'm also still showing off on top of it. So I opened the Quran and uh, I opened in Surah Al-Baqarah on the first page of Sayyakul. And I tell her, like, um, check here, man. I can read this and then I can translate it for you and everything. And I start reading, man. And, um, but now remember, I'm sitting with this internal, like, you know, like, I'm leaning towards one life, I'm loving another life, and I'm like, but also deep down, you're sitting in the Nasihas every day, and you're checking when Ali is saying stuff here, and when Zakaria Faland is saying stuff, and this teacher is saying stuff, and, and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, you know you want to be better, man, but you know that this is what you, how you're living, and this is, and then I read the verse, Qadna so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he speaks to the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and says to him that, you know, indeed we see that your, your, 
like your heart turning to the to the to the skies, like making the eye and hoping. Um, because at the time the Qibla was still um, to Jerusalem, and Rabbi Muhammad Sallallahu yearning was that the Qibla is to to the Kaaba. So he had this yearning for this different direction of his salam. So if pretty much then in the translation, I'm still connected to the fact that this is the Qibla. I mean, I'm not explaining it and I'm translating. Allah is going to change your Qibla to one that you're pleased with, meaning the Prophet Islam and the, the Qibla is now going to change to Makkah. And I'm translating all of it just like, and we're going through it and I'm still, you know, practically showing off and whatever the translation. And on the next page, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, وَلِكُلِّنْ وِجَهَةٌ هُوَ مُوَلِّيهَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says then, for everyone, there's the direction which they are on. And immediately it hit me. I'm like, Yo, does this mean that you know the, the Qibla was one way and Allah's talking about the wija of the Qibla and the Salah but each of us have like our own Qibla man. and then I thought to myself like yo like what what's my Qibla man? what's my way what's my what's the direction of my life who is my life then eating and I stopped immediately I couldn't go on I couldn't read on and then I was like so like I broke down completely man and um, and she just sat there and I was sitting down and I, I couldn't compose myself really. And uh, and then I, I couldn't go further. And then for some reason I just thought, then I paged back like I was going to close. Man. So the, the, the pencil was in the Quran and then I was like, going to page back, take the pencil out and close. And then I paged back because this verse is on the next page. Then, uh, then I paged back. And when I page back, I read the verse again. And I page back and I, and I read that Allah SWT then said, and then I, then I really felt like Allah was talking to me, that we see that your heart is yearning for a, for a different direction. And soon we're going to change your direction to one that, you, that you're pleased with. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, and then I, I, I made a strong resolution that evening to, to do my best to, to, to change and to to take a different direction, to aspire to different things, to, I had like, I don't know what it was, but it, I felt like that moment, the life I actually wanted to live, like meant nothing to me, at all, and, uh, and yeah, since then I, I, I think I was in a different, like, you know, where I wanted to be, and, and then when I went back to the verse, because then I was able to read further, and then I went back to the verse, where I couldn't read on, and then the next thing, Allah SWT says, Hasten and run and push and use your energy and strive towards that which is good, man. Leave all the other good things. You're already in the environment of Quran, you're in the life of Quran, you're in the family of Quran. You're everything around you is correct, man. And, um, and that's how I took it. And, and I think for me, that's how really the Quran spoke to me about my own situation and my own, my own circumstances. MashaAllah. Allahu Akbar. I don't have that bomb sound effect now, but that was a drop the bomb. Uh, next level stuff, mashallah. And, and you know, just because we because we're <coughs> having the discussion and people's listening to this, and that became like part of my life aspiration, man. And I would like to share it with everybody today to to encourage you, man. Like get youth to realize the reality of things, man. Whatever you can do to do that, like just do that. Man. If you can put a kid in a school, if you can pay for someone to study, if you can help someone just get to a class, if you can connect someone to a teacher, if you can put your kids in a madrasa, if you can force them to read, 
Like forced him and here we sitting saying we were grateful for being forced and being trapped and being scoped and being everything. <laughs> Don't do that though. No, I'm not, <laughs> no, I'm not saying do that. But what I'm saying, I want to show. I want to show. Look here, you could, I'm not saying like do anything wrong, man. I'm just showing you yeah, yeah, that yeah. we're grateful for what our parents pushed us into, man. Mm. Because I would have never, ever found any of the khair in my life if it wasn't for the active parenting of my parents and mm. more so my mm. mother. My, my father definitely was, he's still the rock of my life. Shout out to Uncle Nabil. Yeah, and I aspire to be like, like Wallahi Lazim, anytime when I'm reading the, 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 the sifat of the Prophet Sallallahu and you know, we even sat in your class with the Shama'il and Atmullah, and I think about my father when they're describing the Prophet's character. Oh, and, um, but my mother, my father, due to circumstances, worked away, other countries, everything. Mommy put up with all of our Malchit, four sons, and like, but she never gave up on watching you was important, man. And Zakaria mentioned a very important point earlier. He was like, his mother pushed certain things because she knew naturally he's going to gravitate towards something else, man. So, my mother pushed those specific things for us, man. Mm. And, uh, and no matter what happened, and I still went on to do certain things and later on start my own stuff and whatever it may be. But that, that they gave us, man, they gave us. Mm. It's almost like, look here, whether you Nobody like it or not, can take it's like medicine, you. man. Mm. You're not going to give your child an option. You convinced that this is the, the right thing for you. Mm. I mean, I had to have an operation. I was supposed to play Craven Week. If you know rugby, then you know you're under 19. The place you want to play is Craven Week. I'm selected to play in Craven Week. I must have an appendix operation. I tell them, no, I'm going to go play first. Then I'm going to come for the operation. Plus now, you know, I'm like to keep me strong and whatever. I can't even walk, but I'm saying like this because I know the shot. I'm not going to get the shot again. I've been in province trials for the last few weeks. I've made it to the selected few to go play there. My parents came and they said, look, you don't have a choice, man. You must do this operation. There's bigger things at stake. Just do it. So and when it comes to those real realities, we don't give our kids a chance. Mm, mm. But when we're looking at the, the spiritual health and we look at those things, we give them a chance. Mm. It's important to note that your parents are not Hufad nor are they ulama. No, my your mom is still trying Salim, to learn to bacha. Your parents yeah. are not Hufad or ulama. Your parents are Hufad or ulama. Neither am I. So I don't want people to think like, ah, you come, because you're saying like a Quran family, this, that, and other. Mm. No, 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 no. These are people who just decided that they want a different life for their children. Committed to deen. And that's it. And, and they, they made that effort, man. But I think, you know, in all of this, Mona. But just one thing, okay. one thing, like he added something that was very important that must be stressed because it was in my definition right at the beginning when I said there's like a recipe and I think this is the recipe. And you touched on that one part that we cannot ignore, man, like connect them to teachers. Yeah. I remember, no? Okay, Mona Zakaria, I knew since my afternoon madrasa days. He was actually my afternoon madrasa teacher, Mona Zakaria Philander. <laughs> and then he was the reason that I came to learn about Arabic and then Mona Ali came to speak at the masjid and then I came to learn about that course. So he was like, like a relatable, cool, because I knew him. When I met Mona Ali, ya salam. I think I said, I told you the story before, like in his army jacket and his three-coated top and I was like, <laughs> yo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the same every day, man. And like, look yes, here, he's kind and he's gentle I and everything. But you can see, man, like, don't, don't mess with this guy, man. That type mm. of thing. And I was very, very afraid of him, but that fear turned into love, man, mm. very quickly. And that love was then transferred because that love, I understood, came from a place and that place was the Quran. And then that love was transferred through him into me for the Quran. Mm. And, and, and uh, he was like, for me, yeah, you know, you can, you can say whatever because I can see you love it. You know, this is, this is a, the point that I wanted to make as well. Man. Um, after, you know, listening to everyone, 
the Quran is of, of utmost and prime importance and you mentioned, you know, connect to teachers. The word that I want to highlight here is tarbiya. No. Um, like I've greatly, greatly appreciate what I learned in all the Islamic schools that I've been in in my life. No. But I always, you know, word it like this. I learned, you know, maybe the definitions of taqwa and iman and stuff like that no. at those tertiary institutions, man. But I learned iman and taqwa from my parents. The reality of them I learned from my parents. And and I think we have like to varying degrees, but I think it's it's you know it's it exists throughout a parentless society. Um children have too much time with their phones, they don't have mentors in their lives, etc. And and yes, something so so tarbiya is important. And you know, even with our own institutions, the institute grows. Tarbiya. Uh, tarbiya is like you know, a holistic mentorship, nurturing, uh, it means like nurturing, but on, 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 in a holistic way. So, what I wanted to say is, even with our institutions, our institutions grow. And then, there's less of an opportunity for each individual student to have a personal relationship with a teacher. Mm-hmm. With um, no yeah. But I feel that it's important for people to have that kind of figure in their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be the teacher in your class. It can be your imam in your area. It can be a friend of yours. No. Um, it can be, but it should ideally be somebody that has knowledge and has wisdom and stuff like that. But just I wanted to say that, you know, that's part of learning about the Quran. That's part of your journey with the Quran. And I think for me, you know, it's a, it's a point that I, that I reflect on and it stands out to me often that in Surah Fatiha, when Allah describes Islam, he mentions one quality, he mentions two qualities, or I should rather say four qualities of the path. Right? Two negative qualities, negating what the path isn't. Right? Two mentioning what the path is. So the first one is, it's mustaqim, it's consistent. Right? It's a straight path and it's, it's, a, it's a consistent path. But, instead of defining the path by any one of its Consistent features, right? Things that don't change. Allah defines the path as a path of people. Yeah. Idina Sirat al Mustaqim. What is Sirat al Mustaqim? Sirat al Ladina and Amta Alim. It is the path of those who you have bestowed your favor upon. Allah doesn't say it's the path of the Quran. That would have been the most uh, infallible explanation. Yeah. But the most fallible thing in the equation is people. But Allah defines it as a path of people. And I think that's that's seminal to our understanding, or at least my understanding and of, that verse of what Islam is like. And that verse isn't even necessary, if you think about yeah. it. Like, like, that's the longest verse of Surah Fatiha. And Surah Fatiha would have technically been complete without the verse, even in terms of it meaning. It could have just been ihdina. Yeah. It, would have been, it would have been complete in me. But Allah describes the path as the path of people. And so it's essential we need to seek out those people, those people aren't going to be infallible. Mm. They're going to make sense. They're going to have areas yeah. in their life. But, you know, just to have those people as a guiding force, as an example of people that have trod the path before you, it's so important. man. And, and, I, and I see youngsters lacking that. Yeah, 100%. I was, that's the point I was going to jump onto now. Man. I was going to, that's the point I was going to jump <coughs> onto now because, like they say, you know, um, there's, a, there's a, one of those sayings um, that you can teach what you know, but you can only reproduce what you are. Right? If I look at that from the perspective of a youngster, so if you as a parent 
or as a teacher or as a um I mean if you look at the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam what he what he nurtured in the sahaba radiyallahu ta'ala anhum around him the 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 people that 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 came out of you know the way he was nurturing them and so on and so forth man and you look at our youth today just if you just look at that people like you're saying the path of people how much is our youth interacting with people and people of substance more so mm. there's mm. no almost people interaction i mean I'm, 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 i'm running now right our, our whole like it's very new for me since last year march right all of the mentorship and coaching and stuff that i do with youth i did online to my surprise there was some youth that didn't even miss the camps didn't miss the hikes didn't miss anything i'm like you guys are like comfortable you so continuing in this thing they're like yeah because this is how we live in front of a screen all the time i actually heard a youngster saying not too long ago that he only has online friends all yeah. his real friends are online he doesn't have any friends like and he was very confident in saying it and he was like normal about it and stuff like to me it was like shocking Like to me, in my mind, I was telling myself, "You don't have any real friends." Yeah. To him, he's saying, "Like all my friends are online." I was like, "Okay, does that even count?" Like, <laughs> but but that's a reality for many youth, man, yeah, especially in those gamer cultures. And, and, and I'm, like I'm challenging. I'm challenging, not challenging. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I'm encouraging you. I'm telling you. I'm whateverin you to just like look here. If for the very least, all you're gonna do is take stock of this, right? Then you'll do yourself as a parent a major, major. like favor just actually evaluate how much time of a child's 24 hours does he spend with people and people of substance mm. you know the simple thing that that we we, we talk about in mentorship show me who you, show me who your friends are show you yeah, who you yeah. are right? you you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with yeah no 100% show me five people then you the you the six the five people you spend the time with and even in in, in islam you know almaru ala dini khalili that you know the the person is on the on the way of his of his friends um Um, it's, it's, this, is, yo, this is such an important point We live in a global culture They're looking at a whole lot of random people Saying anything they want to TikTok, you can, your child at any swipe of a screen Is looking at someone implanting some agenda in their mind In their heads People of a whole lot of whatever So if you're not connected to someone of substance I mean we're talking here Sheikh Yusuf Puli right? We mentioned him a few times Rahimahullah. How much time did you spend with him? When we started at Darul Bay Um, so I was started off at, at Jam. I started there with Sheikh Yusuf Bouliza. So then I was at Jamia to Quran when they when they started over there. Then I moved to Sheikh Smail Lant uh, Institution. When I went there, I asked my mommy like one of the things like why are we moving? Whatever. Mommy, my mommy said you must learn from Sheikh character. I'm like, but I'm going there for gifts. She's like, just watch him learn his character and just be them. Hmm. And you know, Sheikh Subhanallah, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala preserve him. Spending time with us, spending soccer with us, doing whatever there with us, speaking to us, eating with us, whatever. Just being in his company. Man. what they did to the definition of character in my life i don't have that but i know what 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 standard to measure it by what standards do our youth have what standards do our kids have mm. so people that point i'm like your subhanallah it's an amazing point because just go home and just gauge for tomorrow how much time is your is your kid spending time with people and even in class the teachers they ignoring the teachers most of the time they you know if they are connecting there's a context around that in terms of normal schooling whatever whatever but just gauge that have a look at that and you and you'll really be surprised excellent advice look yeah when i'm we're going to wrap up soon i just want to say that in my observation so many of us and our people our people are searching men people of other religions everyone is searching because the world as sophisticated as it has become is not fulfilling at every level so there's a void and we seek to fill that void
And there's some legitimate options out there to fulfill certain aspects of the void. Self-help, self-development, meditation, mindfulness, yoga, you name it. And I'm not going to gun any of those things down. You know, we can have separate conversations about that. And I think there's benefit in that, man. But understand that you're never, ever, ever, ever going to fill that void completely and in a sustainable manner unless and until you fill it with Quran. The Quran is the ultimate dhikr. You know, the Quran says that you, your heart will only truly find contentment with dhikrullah and the Quran is a dhikr. There's no other like if you didn't, if, if, yeah, that's enough. If you're making like you're making a fraksa dhikr, but you're not making Quran, you're not making dhikr. Like understand that, like you 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 are going you're going the wrong direction. Yeah, you know, change change paths. You're doing good things in the wrong pattern, wrong you know, order. Someone, uh, one of our teachers, Malla Riyad uh, Saluji, mm. I think he got it from his teachers as well. He would always pose this question that. Um, and I think he usually would narrate the story behind it about the lecturer or speaker asking this question. So I think I'm going to pose the question to all of you guys who are sitting here mm. and to everybody listening as well. If I ask you a question, are you your body? Mm. What would your response be, Nashville? No. 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 If I ask you, do you have a body? Yes. Yeah. You might say yes. But if you aren't your body and you have a body, then who are you? Uh, me, yeah, right. I mean, it, it, it just it just speaks uh, of an intuitive yeah. recognition that there's more to me than just my body. Yeah. And in the Islamic paradigm, it's not just that you are mind. Mm. It's no. that you essentially are your spiritual heart, you your qalb. No. And if we look into our tradition, what is the function of that qalb? The function of that qalb, as Al Ghazali teaches us, is knowing Allah, is loving Allah. And so, no matter what you do. With other things, you will never be fulfilling the ultimate purpose of your of your true self. Yeah. If you're not engaging in knowing Allah. And how do you know Allah? Other than through his own descriptions mm. of him. Ibn Taymiyyah says it in an interesting way. He says like uh, the the heart with dhikr is like a fish to water. Period. If you take the fish out of the water, what happens? No. So the, the reason why we feel this void in our world, in ourselves, in our families, in, and among our youth People are searching and they will find some answer. I always tell people, you go do meditation, you're going to feel something. You're going to do yoga, you're going to feel something. Practice mindfulness, you're going to feel something. Mm. And that's going to it's going to make you believe that this is this is it. This is the ultimate thing. You exercise, you're going to feel something. But that fulfillment, like that completeness is never going to really get there until you have Quran. So um, as a wrap up now, I'm going to go around, around the table. But my wrap up personally is um, don't let your life pass you by without giving yourself a chance to have a relationship with Allah's book at the level that we tried to describe today. Don't. And if you feel that you, it is going to happen, it is going to pass you by, you're not going to have that relationship, then do not for the life of you deprive your children of that relationship. Get them connected to the Quran. And they are many different options today. If you don't know how, reach out to us. We can help you. And to any of those you know, uh, have maybe tread similar pathways. But do not let that opportunity pass you by, inshallah. Ahmed, over to you. Ya Rab, 
I would um, just because I'm passionate about the youth. I will be that you know uh, over the weekend I asked the youth a question, man. I said, look here, uh, let's change the topic, man. All of you now, some of you matric, whatever, whatever. I guarantee you, you all heard this question before. And the question I asked them was, what are you going to be when you grow up? Now, as parents, ask yourself, how much times do you ask your son that? How much times do you think about that for your daughter? How much times do you, do you, does that, is that on your mind for your child? The question I asked them over the weekend was, who are you going to be when you grow up? So that, like you mentioned now, you're not your body, but what are you, man? So what substance? And I said, that's why we overlook the soft skills of things. When we're equipping our kids with hard skills of who they're going to be, doctors, lawyers, this, that, and the other, and this skill, that skill, this skill, that skill, but who are they in terms of substance, man? And um, what, when they described the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and they said, Khuluqu al-Quran. His character was the Quran. So if you, I would say, start the journey of uh, instilling substance in your youth. Start the journey of, of looking at who they're going to be when they grow up, not just what they're going to be, and let that starting point be with that of the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Naam. That's my advice. Alhamdulillah, along with working now, I'm I'm taking a whole new appreciation of of parent and and what perhaps parent did. I thought I knew when Allah blessed me with a child. Oh, that's what my parents did for me. Alhamdulillah. And when I had a second child, then I thought, oh, okay, Alhamdulillah, that's what my parents did for me. Alhamdulillah. No ways. I, I, just the idea of the blessing of parents and. Uh, them making those hard decisions for us subhanallah those decisions that we probably wouldn't have made for ourselves but they saw the khair and the benefit therein alhamdulillah uh, that is a great blessing from Allah and I make dua that us and the younger generation of the day that we can be uh, aligned enough to Allah so that we can make those decisions for our children when that time comes mm. um, and indeed it is a difficult thing it's a difficult thing to take a small child out of the bed and take him to Fajr in the morning because he must now start learning how to go to the masjid for Fajr for you as a parent. It's something difficult, subhanAllah. So, yeah, you know, appreciate for parents and, and I mean, don't give up, man. Parents, children, everyone, don't give up. Don't give up. What? We all have crack, man. If you think there's anybody <laughs> sitting around this table, it's a translation. <laughs> <laughs> we all crack. We are all crack. Each and every single one of us. But Alhamdulillah, Allah is that Creator. That is a satar. That is Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And 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 people might be listening to this and thinking, Oh, Mashallah, But Hufad is struggling. Yeah, the grease, the 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 grass is very green right there where you are. Subhanallah. And that is it, man. That's for each and every one of us. So whatever it might be, whatever you're struggling with, don't give up. Open the Quran, allow Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to speak to you and allow yourself to listen. And bismillah. We still didn't get the joke of the day, no? A joke? Yo, you know, this past weekend, I went to go, uh, I got a, a PlayStation 5 for my children. It was the best swap that I ever made. Astaghfirullah, <laughs> we're talking about tarbiyah here. You're talking about giving your children to a PlayStation. Did you see the? Huh? Now he didn't get the joke. Oh, wait, now, I the, yeah. now I got it. Now I got it. Tell it to Jay. Was it there? Was it there? Okay. You should feel embarrassed. Say it again. Say it again. I went to go get the PS5 for my children. Oh. <laughs> it was the best swap that I ever made. That's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
Anyway. So, last yeah, time you said go. that your joke in this one is going to be good because you was making a ball <coughs> of that one. It was so good that Zakaria didn't get it. <laughs> Zakaria <laughs> didn't get it. <laughs> so how can I was that joke? You always make a double call. <laughs> if you needed that drum now. No, what do you mean I didn't get it? I just interpreted it in a different way. Look here, I want to, I just want to say something now. We accept, uh, we accept Ikhtilaf over here, so I interpret it no. different way. <laughs> I just wanted to say something earlier, but now. You guys are Salafis in that interpretation. <laughs> eh? I'm a Balthini. Now we, uh, we allow the, the, the differing. If we didn't allow differing, you wouldn't be in the studio here with us. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I just want to say something before you wrap up, is that being a mother or a father is a biological definition. But parenting is a verb. So it requires action. Mm. So just with regards to your kids. Think but bro, how actually. many epic statements did you memorize? <laughs> That's a life coach thing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have like a book there under the table? <laughs> <laughs> then you're like, look here, today I'm going to start them with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, nice man. It's uh, solid stuff. I can't, oh yeah. I can't think of much of my own quotable stuff. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, what comes to mind uh, just after this discussion of the few verses of the Quran, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks, فَأَيْنَ تَذْهَبُونَ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا ذِكْرٌ لِلْعَالَمِينَ لِمَنْ شَاءَ مِنْكُمْ أَنْ يَسْتَقِيمُ وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ Where are you going to? Allah asks, you know, after speaking about a number of things, فَأَيْنَ تَذْهَبُونَ Where are you going? This Quran is just a reminder for all the worlds. For those people who want to take a right course, but you don't will anything except that it is by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. So let us ask ourselves the question, where are we going? Let us make the decision, I want to be going to Allah. And let us ask Allah to take us to Him. Mm. And I think, you know, as a, just a first step, maybe that's my, my two cents. Beautiful, man. And you know what What you said now, no? made, made me remember something that is a pivotal importance but it, I think it's so already like we used, we're so accustomed to it that these are the type of things that, that sort of misses us man because you don't see it with fresh eyes man if you were to speak to, like that in English where are you going <laughs> like oh, I'm going to the shop it means nothing but this is an existential question but when you hear it from the Quran Quran he didn't even say anything yet and Ahmad was really like, Ya Allah. Because he knew what was coming. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, for him it was like, Yo, if Allah asks you, where are you going? And he was, no. You know what I mean? It's not about, it's not always about what he said. But it's about how Allah says it. That strikes and, you. And what in, what it invokes inside you. Yo. And, even, and even not just that, yeah. it's not about what is being said, it's about who's saying it. Allah, Allah. Yeah. Rabbul Alameen is asking you a simple question. Yeah. yeah, like when Allah says statements like that in the Quran. I mean, He says statements like, look here, He's the one who created you, then He fashioned you, then he, and then we now, yeah. then you're like, yo, and you want to crawl into a shell and like hide somewhere. But it's not that, it's not that it's like it strikes fear into you and it, you know, scares you with hell. It does that. It's very balanced. It's very balanced. It's, it's like, yeah, you must experience it. It's moments of like realignment. We can go on with this forever. Yeah. yeah. We did so. say we're going to go <laughs> Okay. <laughs> 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 <laughs>